As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The Tolkien Road, Episode 60, The Lord of the Rings, Many Meetings. Hey there, fellow travelers. Welcome to The Tolkien Road, a long walk through the works and philosophy of J.R.R. Tolkien. On this episode, we return to The Lord of the Rings with Book 2, Chapter 1, Many Meetings. Although it's not the most action-packed chapter, there's plenty to discuss, from Gandalf's whereabouts to the ways of Rivendell to the Song of Arendelle. Before we get started, now would be a good time to hop on over to iTunes and leave The Tolkien Road a rating and feedback. It's a great way to show your support for the show and takes less than a minute. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Tolkien Road, episode 60, where we are talking about The Lord of the Rings, book two, chapter one, many meetings. Greta. Many meetings. What's new? What's, What's new? new in your world um, since we last met two weeks ago? Since you and I last wow. saw each other two weeks ago? Since we two weeks ago. Ugh, not a whole lot. Yeah. yeah. Just keeping it real. Yeah. Just one day at a time. One day at a time, putting one foot in front of the other. Yep. Yep, trying to make the days go easy. Yeah. Have you had uh, many meetings since then? I have had many meetings. Yeah? Yeah. Good. Most of them quite enjoyable. Alrighty. Yeah, how about yourself? Yeah. Yeah? Many, many meetings. You've probably had even more meetings than I have, because... 
you work out of the I mean, that's pretty much just what I do. I just meet for a living. Just meet. Just meet with people for a living. They pay you to meet with them. No, I wish they did. Um, kind of. They kind of do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's, I, bet, I wonder if there's people out there that make money like they just like professional meeting havers, you know, havers I'm of sure meetings. There are. I'm They're sure just there are. like, hey, you need somebody to meet with so you can feel professional and special. I'm your guy. Oh, yeah. like that. Probably yeah. not like that. It's kind of like the uh, the old Monty Python sketch, like, you know, buy an argument. I like to buy an argument. Oh, yes. Oh. Actually, no, I don't know. You don't, you've never seen I that? I never watched Monty Python. We should pause this right now and make you go watch that. I know. I missed that on a lot when I was a child. Yeah. I blame my overseas adventure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Blame it on whatever you want to. I'll put, I'll put it on my list. My list of things to catch up on. Blame, blame, your, blame your failures on whatever you want. Yeah. Just whatever you feel like you need That's to That's my go-to. Oh, sorry, yeah. I would live in Germany Sorry, I grew up overseas. Time. Yeah. I only, only lived a few, a few blocks away from the wall. Yeah. Yeah, from the Berlin Wall. So, yeah. yeah. We didn't have all the, uh, you it's know, like, all the fancy like the, stuff you guys had. The aura of, of the Soviet bloc was just, like, oppressing you. It was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's my excuse. Sorry for all you Soviet blockers out there. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Didn't mean to offend you. This is getting weird. Let's move on. Moving on. Moving on to many meetings. So. Yeah, many meetings. Um. Yeah, it's good to be back to the Lord of the Rings, you know? I was thinking the same thing as I was reading this afternoon. That seems to be the general sentiment. I mean, um, you know, we made it all the way through the Silmarillion, and that's quite an accomplishment um, in and of itself. But um, yes, I've been the Lord of the Rings, chapter bit. by chapter, I mean, there's like 60 chapters in Lord of the Rings, and we've only done about 12 so far. That's embarrassing. Uh, we, we, you know, we've done a few more episodes than that, because we did a whole bunch of the, um, you know, initial initial stuff, too. But, oh, um, right. Anyway... Here we are. So, um, I'm excited to be back. Yeah. Um, I know everyone listening is as well. Um, we hope they are. I, well, I know they are. They okay. better be. Okay. They better be or they better if stop you're not listening happy to be right back, now. Then just turn us off. That's right. This second. Turn us off and um, go leave five star ratings on iTunes <laughs> to say you're sorry. That's right. That's right. So. <laughs> That's would be a penance. But. You know what time it is. Oh yeah. Stop wasting time. I know we've I know they've missed this for sure. And who wouldn't well, miss this? We were doing this before though. I know. But we were off for a week. Oh. That's what I mean. Oh, okay, I thought you I meant they were missing hope. this when we were doing the Silmarillion. and I was like, no. we were doing this when we were doing the Silmarillion. No. We didn't do it our last episode. Well we didn't, yeah, that's true. Oh yeah. This time it's time for some haikus. Yes. All right. Haiku time means you know what time it is first. Mm-hmm. Rock, paper, scissors. Really quiet rock, really paper, scissors. Really quiet rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. The golf version of rock, paper, That's scissors. Right. Are yes. we ready? I'm ready to play rock, paper, right, scissors. Play rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. Shoot. Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, I can always see it in your eyes. You're trying to be like, what's he going to do? And I'm just like, I'm just... I'm just going with the flow, baby. I'm just feeling it. Oh, I just man. do whatever the spirit leads me to do. No, so do I. It just never leads me the right way. Hmm. Oh, well. So who's going first, you or me? Hmm. Hmm. Um, 
I don't think hmm is here tonight, so you have to pick one of us. Hmm. You go first. I go first. Okay. Here's my haiku for chapter Your one. Your haiku for? My haiku for chapter one, book two. Book two, chapter one. Book, book two, chapter one? Yes. Chapter one, book two, same thing. Yeah. Anyways, okay, here it is. A haven of rest, of healing, sweet reunions, will fade all too soon. Nice. Do it again. A haven of rest, of healing, sweet reunions, will fade all too soon. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, thanks. Well done. Do you need to explain it? Uh, I don't think so. It seemed pretty self-explanatory yeah, to me. I thought so, too, but I don't know. Did you want to explain it? No. Go ahead. No. It's, I think it's pretty obvious. Okay. But you asked me to read it twice, so I thought maybe... Well, I thought it was good. Sometimes you just want people to read something twice because it's nice. Oh, like how people, they wanted Bilbo to sing his next time poem I'll say, twice? Next time I'll let you know, I'll say, read it twice because it's nice. Because it's nice. Or I'll say, read it twice because I didn't understand. <laughs> Okay. Fair enough. Yes, next time, please clarify. Yes. The purpose for your request. Would you state that again for the record, please? Yes. You can read yours. All right. I'd rather talk like this for a little while longer. Thank you very much. Let's not do John Connery tonight, please. (laughs) John Connery? That wasn't John Connery. That was Sean Connery. That was like uh, Colonel Sanders or something no, like that. Was, that was like Colonel Sanders' lawyer. That was a very poor imitation of Sean Connery. That's what that was. That was Sean Connery playing Colonel Sanders as a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate your clarification. That makes so much more sense now. And you should be like, say it twice, because it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Stop laughing. Do it. Just be serious. Rivendell, where time slows down, danger ceases, and songs open wide realms. Mm, beautiful. I want to go to there. Mm-hmm. Don't you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rivendell. Yeah, you know, I've always, uh, I like this edition. We're looking, you know, so we have two copies of the edition of the of the Fellowship of the Ring, where um, the cover is by, it's a cover illustration by Alan Lee. Which he does a lot of the famous illustrations of Tol- that uh, you know Tolkien illustrations, um, but this one is of like the mountains with like the waterfall, and then you see this like house on the left bank of the waterfall of this river. So of course that's supposed to be Rivendell, right? right. So yep, I'm like yeah, I'm like whenever I look at that, I'm like I want to go to there mm-hmm. and just live there forever, you know, forever and ever. Yep. Ooh, yeah, mm-hmm. beautiful. Glorious. Absolutely. Um, I really like your poem, too. Thank you. That's what I was... You know, that's kind of the feel I was going for Mm -hmm. with that poem, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. Just kind of the... Like a heaven on earth. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Mm Mm-hmm. Good. Um, All right. So we had some... uh, We had some other haikus from... Oh, sweet. uh, Yeah, from Josh and from Mary Grace. I'll do Josh's two first. Okay. Um, and then Mary Grace. I thought Lars was going to submit some, but I never saw some from him, so he may have just lost track. But, uh, hey, Lars, if you want to, you can submit him after the fact. Um, feel free. And, uh, you know, I know we took we took a week off, so it probably, you know, probably three off. But uh, here we go. Josh. Josh submitted two. 
Song of Elves of Men, Kings and Jewels and Elder Days, Bilbo's Pien. I'm sorry, Bilbo's what? Pien. Pien? Yeah. What's that? It's like a... I looked it up beforehand, but it's basically like a song, right? It's P-A-E-A-N. What is it? Uh, what's its I'll, I'll get the actual origin? definition. I would guess French. That's what I was thinking. I was wondering if it was French. I mean, I think it's anglicized French, you know. Mm. Uh, a PN is a song or lyric poem expressing triumph or thanksgiving. Ah. There you go. Well, that's a perfect description of Bilbo's. There goes Josh bringing, you know, bringing the vocab. I know. We'll leave it to the master's philosophy, whatever he's studying. He's studying <laughs> Good something. Good job, like... <laughs> Leave it to the master's philosophy whatever he's studying <laughs> classical smart stuff that was even better mm-hmm. right there yeah classical smart stuff <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's what his degree is in is classical <laughs> smart stuff <laughs> congratulations josh <laughs> congratulations on your degree in classical smart stuff <laughs> No, I really do respect people that have a way with words because it's never been one of my gifts. Yes, as we have, to as we have just just born witness to. You. <laughs> yes, yes, I've made it abundantly clear. Right. Give me science, and I'm happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, Mary Grace. No, oh, wait, no Josh is well, not I was gonna one. do one more from Josh. Yeah. Okay, sweet. So, yeah. Yeah, you know we're not we're not in a hurry here. No. We're just meandering down the path. That's right. The road, I mean. Time to play catch-up. For Frodo and the Tolkien Road, rings once again. Rings once again. Yeah. Thanks for the shout-out, Josh. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Rings once again. Can you read it again? Time to play catch-up. For Frodo and the Tolkien Road, rings once again. Rings once again. Yeah. Is that like rings as a verb or a noun? Well, like rings, like Lord of the Rings. Oh! I like it. Nice. Moving on, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) We won't dwell on. (laughs) No, that's very clever, because I think he's talking about, obviously, the ring, Mm -hmm. right? When he's talking about Frodo. And then, for us, it's more of the title of the book. Clever. Right. Nicely done, Josh. Thank you. Nicely done as usual. Mm-hmm. Yep. As always. Okay. Um, Mary Grace. Mary Grace. Here we go. Mary Grace numero uno. Always more to find. With elves here, elves there, and music. The House of Elrond. Mm, I like it. Yes. Yes, yeah. indeed. All right, and then number two. Arwen the Fair, the likeness and fate of Luthien on Earth again. Ooh. I like it. Yeah. What's not Man. to like? That's what I say. They both just knocked it out of the park, didn't mm-hmm. they? Mm-hmm. Those were awesome. Well done. Making us look like slackers again. I yeah, know. Well, hey. It's all good. This is kind of like, uh, Josh will appreciate this, this is kind of like in uh, Star Wars where, you know, Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi meet and Darth Vader like says to Obi-Wan Kenobi he's like you know something about like you know when last we met you know you were the master 
mm-hmm. and you know, and then it basically says, "Now I am the master," right? And back to him, and I think that's kind of like uh, you know, I see what you're saying. Created these masters of haiku. The students that become yeah. the teachers. Yes, and and dark Sith lords as well. So Yikes. yeah, mm. yeah. Haiku masters and dark Sith lords. So congratulations, well done. Woo-woo. Awesome sauce. All right. All right. Did you stop Good getting stuff, me guys. sidetracked and let's talk about You know, Lord I, I'm the last person in the world that would want to talk about Star Wars. So I don't know why you're blaming me. I got to be like that. We got to, you know, I see you still have to watch The Force Awakens. Yeah, I know. And I want to watch it again. You keep telling me that. So. I already know what happened. What? Somebody told me. Well, be quiet about it because there might be people listening. Well, I'm not going to say anything because it didn't really mean anything to me. Oh, okay. All righty. So, many meetings. Um, many meetings. Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, did you have a favorite passage? We didn't, uh, we didn't prep for this, but did you, did you think about a favorite passage maybe? No. Well, we didn't do that for the Silmarillion for a That's while. Right. so we didn't. Uh, I think I don't want to get back to doing that. There was actually one. Um, it was where... Um, it was some description of something. What was it? this part when they were at the feast mm-hmm. and um it's uh, should I just read it yeah go ahead such well he's talking about um I mean he had just spied Arwen mm-hmm. and he says such loveliness and living things Frodo had never seen before nor imagined in his mind and he was both surprised and abashed to find that he had a seat at Alron's table among all these folks so high and fair. Though he had a suitable chair and was raised upon several cushions, he felt very small and rather out of place, but that feeling quickly passed. The feast was merry and the food all that his hunger could desire. It was, soon, it was some time before he looked about him again or even turned to his neighbors. He looked first for his friends. Sam had begged to be allowed to wait on his master, but had been told that for this time he was a guest of honor. Frodo could see him now, sitting with Pippin and Mary at the upper end of one of the side tables, close to the... the I don't know what that word is. Dais? Dais? D-A-I-S? What is that? Uh, Dais, yeah. Dais. He could see no sign of Strider. Um, I guess it was more of that first part, um, where he's just, just... I love his, um, you know, how he's so humbled mm-hmm. and grateful to be a part of this great feast. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, kind of, I feel like I've been in a situation before where like, you know, I'm, I'm like sitting there. Like, I feel like I've been around like in a situation where I may be around a couple of people who are like famous or famous to me and like, or like, yeah. you know, I've never met before and mm-hmm. now here they are. And like, I'm like, Whoa, you know, this yeah. is almost like surreal. And what am I yes. doing here? You know? Yes. It's that feeling like of those like pinch me moments, right? Yeah. Like surely I'll wake up at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um Cool. Yeah. Good call. Just, like nice. That. Yeah, what about you? I um I really liked and you probably could pick the pick up on this from my haiku, but um uh I liked the bit about well there's actually two that kinda go together, but First of all, the the Arundel poem. We'll get to that, but the Arundel poem is great. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I really like the thing where he says, um, 
on page 225. Uh, it's in the middle of the second full paragraph. Bilbo's talking. He says, um, and of course I make up a few songs. They sing them occasionally just to please mm-hmm. me, I think. For of course they aren't really good enough for Rivendell. And I listen and I think, time doesn't seem to pass here. It just is a remarkable place altogether. Um, mm-hmm. I just like that idea the, uh, the time doesn't seem to pass here. Yeah. It just is, you know. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that Bilbo just like sits around and makes up songs, yeah. you know. And thinks. It's kind of like what I'd like to do pretty much all the time. <laughs> so. Um, and yeah, I just think and ponder and write, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, it's a pretty good life. That's, that is a pretty sweet life. Yeah. So, um, as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So, yeah, when we left off, um, of course, there was the chase. When we left off with Lord of the Rings, there was this chase. The Black Riders were trying, were, were basically chasing down Frodo and his companions, who at that time were the other three hobbits, and um, Strider. Right. Gandalf, they had no idea what had happened to Gandalf. Right. And and then it looked like they were going to get Frodo, um, because there's nine black riders, and they go and they try to cross. He crosses the stream, and they try to cross behind him, and they, and like the waters rise and come and sweep a lot of the black riders away. Right. Who takes Frodo across the river? I couldn't remember that. Well, oh, I'm sorry. There was also Glorfindel was in there. Oh yes, and the he was Lord, yeah. he was the elf that came to to that kind of came out into the wilderness to find them and help them. Okay. Um, but he gave Frodo his horse. I think I think it was his That's horse. Right. Yes. And sent him on his way. Yes. Um, okay. But uh, but yeah, and and so when we last left off. 
Frodo is like, you know, he may be dying, right? Because he's been stabbed and all this stuff with the the Morgul blade. Right. Um, And it says, Then Frodo felt himself falling, and the roaring confusion seemed to rise and engulf him together with his enemies. He heard and saw no more. And so the story in chapter book two, chapter one, Many Meetings, picks up with, uh, you know, in this beautiful place. And it just says, Frodo woke and found himself lying in bed. First, he thought that he had slept late after a long, unpleasant dream that still hovered on the edge of memory, or perhaps he had been ill. But the ceiling looked strange. It was flat and had dark beams richly carved. He lay a little while longer, looking at patches of sunlight on the wall and listening to the sound of a waterfall. Um, I love the way it opens because it's just so, everything's so uncertain and so, um, you know, violent and terrifying at the end of the last chapter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And here you have, like, you know, we've probably all woken up at some point in like a place that's just this place of peace. And like, we just lay there and we don't, there's no like need to, to like get up immediately. Like you're not, you're not in the rush to get up in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, you just lay there and you're like at peace. You're totally, mm-hmm. totally at peace. Yeah. And you can just like stare and like contemplate the patches of sunlight on the wall or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. And, um, and that's where Frodo, Frodo finds himself. Yeah. Um, Much better place than yeah. where he was when we last saw him. That's Absolutely. Sure. And he's delighted pretty much as soon as he wakes up um, to find out that Gandalf is there yep. with him. Yep. So Gandalf has reappeared. Gandalf has reappeared, and he's got some explaining to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so Frodo, of course, when he, fi- you know, he sees that Gandalf is there, and he's delighted. Um, but uh, he, he has to... You know, he has some questions about why Gandalf didn't show up when they needed him, right? Okay. He basically wants to know why, you know, where he was all that time. Um, uh, and and so he, he kind of starts interrogating Gandalf about everything that went down. And at first, Gandalf doesn't want to tell him too much, but, you know, Gandalf is one of these... I think it's kind of funny. I think Gandalf's character, I think he likes... Once you get him started, I think he likes talking. Yes. I think he likes telling all this kind of... Not really a prideful thing, but he just... He's just one of these. He's he's a lover of knowledge, mm-hmm. and he likes sharing knowledge. He does. Um, yes. So even though at first he decides that he doesn't really want to say much to Frodo, he kind of he kind of just starts going. So he explains to Frodo everything that had happened. Um, you know everything up until the four. Because right, he doesn't remember much, like at all. Right. Frodo yeah, because Frodo yeah. was was essentially passing into. Well, and we'll talk a little bit about that in just a moment. But he was passing into this other, right. other realm. You know. I know that book's that book's this falling book apart. This book is ridiculous. We have to order a new copy of the Fellowship. Golly. Of Fellowship because it's like like chunks of it have been falling well, out. I don't know what it is with these, but like I don't know if they didn't if they made the glue too dry or something like that, or um, but or if they used too dry glue when they were buying these books. But the yeah, same like thing happened in yeah, the like parts too? of it are falling oh, out. My yeah, gosh, that's and okay. I bought this one as a replacement for that one. So that's messed up. Come on, Huffton Mifflin. Gosh. You need to get a different published copy or something yeah anyway i'm sorry you were saying well um so eventually they get to talking about strider and frodo says what a big help strider was right um and he's really glad strider showed up um you know they didn't really trust him at first but they trust him more now Mm -hmm. um and he says sam at first didn't trust him at all but he has no more doubts uh uh Gandalf says he has no more doubts about Strider now. 
And Frodo, yeah, Frodo says, this is the bottom of 214, Frodo says, I'm glad for I have become very fond of Strider. Well, fond is not the right word. I mean, he is dear to me, though he is strange and grim at times. In fact, he reminds me often of you. I don't know that any of the big people were like that. I thought, well, that they were just big and rather stupid, kind and stupid like Butterbur, or stupid and wicked like Bill Fernie. But then we don't know much about men in the Shire, except perhaps the Brelanders. So this is very perceptive of Frodo to kind of notice that he's like Gandalf. He's more like Gandalf mm-hmm. than than the men, than just like plain old men the sometimes. Men. Yes, yes. Uh, and do you remember why that is? Not to put you on the spot, but do you remember why that is? Because we talked about it some at the end of the, the Silmarillion. Oh, it has to do with his lineage. Right, right? yeah. Because he's descended from, um, I forget who, but it's the, like a, the high, like a, you know, like the more noble right. race. Well, he's descended. He's he's descended from Arundel and um, uh, and Elwing, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's descended from. So he he yeah. has um, you know, he has the blood of elves mm-hmm. and of mm-hmm. Amaya. That's right. And even though it's probably you know very little at this point, it, yeah. diluted, he still has that, and he's one right. of the Adine, right? Yeah. yeah, he's a descendant from the Adine. So, mm-hmm. um, so. He is greater in stature, right. you know, than than just your average man, really, and in mm-hmm. stature and character and all these things. At least right. he should be. Um. So, um, and Gandalf says as much. He says the race of the kings from over the sea is nearly at an end. It may be that this War of the Ring will be their last adventure. Um. Uh, and and Frodo kind of says in disbelief, "Do you really mean that Strider is one of the people of the old kings? I thought they had all vanished long ago. I thought he was only a ranger." Gandalf says, only a ranger? My dear Frodo, that is just what the rangers are, the last remnant in the north of the great people, the men of the west. They have helped me before, and I shall need their help in the days to come. For we have reached Rivendell, but the ring is not yet at rest. Now, we do need to go back soon, pro- you know, probably not before before too long, and, and read um, a Calabath from the, mm-hmm. uh, the Silmarillion, from the Silmarillion, because that will help you understand a little more of the, of the whole story, because that's the second story of the second age, which bridges between the first age and, oh, and the right. age we're in now. That's when they actually talk about the men of the West and right. things like that. And the, okay. Like what what happens with the people who descend from, the the men who descend from Arundel, right? Because Arundel had two sons. He had um, Elrond and mm-hmm. Elros, and the men, the... the uh, Right, one chose to say, man, that's right, right, that's right, that's right, yes, okay. Elrond chooses to become an elf. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right, got it. Um, okay, so um, so Frodo, you know, very perceptive on Frodo's part there. Mm-hmm. Um, then we talk a little bit about what was going on with the, the wound that Frodo had. Mm. Um, and because Frodo is a little bit confused at first, um, that it took that he was asleep for so many days, right? And Gandalf is basically explaining, um, you know, that Elrond cured him, that Elrond cured Frodo, and he said he has tended you for days ever since you were brought in. And he says, well, four nights and three days to be exact. The elves brought you from the ford on the night of the twentieth, and that is where you lost count. We have been terribly anxious, and Sam has hardly left your side day or night except to run messages. Elrond is a master of healing, but the weapons of our enemy are deadly. To tell you the truth, I had very little hope, for I suspected there was some fragment of the blade still in the closed wound, but it could not be found until last night. Then Elrond removed a splinter. It was deeply buried, and it was working inwards. Um, 
And, you know, so this was, Frodo was very much on um, knocking on, you know, knocking on heaven's door, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or really not heaven's door, hell's door. Um, yeah. Because he would have been sucked into this wraith world um, and been kind of a slave of the greater wraiths if right. if he hadn't been cured by Elrond. Right. Um, Gandalf says, they tried to pierce your heart with a Morgul knife, which remains in the wound. If they had succeeded, you would have become like they are, only weakened under their command. You would have become a wraith under the dominion of the Dark Lord, and he would have tormented you for trying to keep his ring. If any great torment, greater torment was, were possible than being robbed of it and, and seeing it on his hand. Um, so, uh, Frodo had a close, close call. Um, and I, I found it really interesting though, uh, you know, a little later over here on 217, um, Gandalf, uh, takes a good look at Frodo in the middle, in the middle of the page there. He takes a good look at Frodo. Mm -hmm. The color had come back to his face and his eyes were clear and fully aware, awake and aware. He was smiling and there seemed to be little wrong with him, but to the wizard's eye, there was a faint change, just a hint as it were of transparency about him and especially about the left hand that lay upon outside upon the coverlet. So I take this to mean that that the ring and the wound are already working their effects on Frodo, right? Um they're not they're not severe effects yet, but mm-hmm. Gandalf is almost able to perceive this like sort of transparency, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And the and, left hand, he mentioned the left hand specifically, so that's the hand that he was wearing the ring on. I think so, yeah. Okay. I think that's correct. Um, and if I recall, I think I think we go back to early in the in book one where he talks about what Gaul, what would have happened to Gollum, what would have happened to Gollum if he kept the ring forever, is basically that Gollum would have passed over into the wraith world himself. Right. You yes. Know? Um. So, um. Anyway, I just found that very very interesting that the the effects of the ring and of the yeah. Morgul blade are already, already working. Already starting to work. Yeah. yeah. Um, of course, he doesn't tell Frodo that. No. He keeps that to himself. Yeah. By the way, you're starting to look a little bit transparent. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to wear the ring anymore. I'm beginning to see through you more clearly. Yeah. Let's do away with that ring. Um. We also learned that um, Elrond was responsible for the flood. Right. Right. Yeah, that was cool. And Gandalf, too. Well, Gandalf. do you remember what Gandalf says about what he did? Yeah, he, like, made the waves look like white horses. Yeah. And, um, what did he say? Oh, he said he added a few touches of his own. You may not have noticed, but some of the waves took the form of great white horses with shining white riders. Mm-hmm. And there were many rolling and grinding boulders. Right. So, basically, Elrond did all the hard work, and Gandalf made it look pretty. That's right. Yeah. Gandalf, Gandalf was like, this will be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, one other thing that I thought was interesting in this in this section where Frodo and Gandalf are, are just kind of chatting is um, where he talks about the uh, the servants of the Dark Lord over on 216. Mm. He says, um, Frodo asks them, why do these black horses endure such riders? All other animals are terrified when they draw near, mm-hmm. even the elf horse mm-hmm. of Glorfindel. The dogs howl and the geese scream at them. And Gandalf says, Because these horses are born and bred to the service of the Dark Lord and Mordor. Not all his servants and chattels are wraiths. There are orcs and trolls, there are wargs and werewolves, and there have been and still are many men, warriors and kings, 
that walk alive under the sun and yet are under his sway. And their number is growing daily. I, I, I think that's a really interesting little detail that the movies don't necessarily capture very well. Now, to be sure, there's there's definitely men that fight on the side of Sauron in the movies, but um, I feel like I feel like we learn more and more in the books as we go on that there's kind of like these whole cities of men that are under the influence of Sauron, and Sauron is not just this like ghostly figure mm-hmm. that like Sauron is almost just like this great, great powerful emperor, imperial lord kind of that. Right. Um, that rules, you know, many peoples and there's, and there's kind of a, I mean, there's, there's cities of men behind him, you know, like kind of helping him build his armies and that kind of thing. So, um, anyway, just a little detail that I, that he's, that they start to bring out here that I feel like isn't captured very well in the movie. Cause it all, sometimes it can, sometimes it can seem like there's just a lot of hocus pocus that Sauron does, mm, you know, yeah, in the, yeah. in the movies, but there's really a lot of, um, there's kind of, there's kind of a civilization behind him, you know, of its own, right? Yeah, like his own. Yeah, a dark civilization, but a yeah, civilization nonetheless. Yeah. Um. So. Anyway. Um. Yeah. So, any other thoughts on the whole section of Gandalf and Frodo? Anything there that you wanted to speak about that um, we didn't before we move on to next stuff? I don't think so. Okay. Um, all right, okay. you hit all the high notes. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, then, moving on to the next section, 219. Um, you want to read that first paragraph there? Frodo was now safe in the last homely house east of the sea. That house was, as Bilbo had long ago reported, a perfect house. Whether you like food or sleep or storytelling or singing or just sitting and thinking best, or a pleasant mixture of them all. Merely to be there was a cure for weariness, fear, and sadness. Yeah. Uh, you know, again... Pretty much a perfect place. <laughs> right, well... Um, again, I just love this. I love... I think, in a way, Rivendell is one of Tolkien's best, like, greatest creations, you know, like... Mm. That here's this place that's just, um, you know, I mean, it's almost just like a, uh, it's a sanctuary, like, like a sanctuary out in the middle, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, just mm-hmm. completely surrounded by nature. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's almost like a retreat house where you're just no, no one is busying you with anything. Right. Um, you're just completely free to relax. Um, but I don't know. I, what do I want to bring out in that? I'm having trouble articulating it, but um, there's just this real sense of complete peace about it, you know. Yeah. Yes. Um, just yeah. Exactly. It's not. It's not like we tend to, you know, we tend to, you know, that we tend to relax in the modern world. Maybe. Um, I mean, I think we we sometimes can, but yeah. sometimes we go on vacation and. You know, we've talked about it before. We go on vacation and we end up being even more tired when yes. we get back than than before. But I feel like All right. um, that's not the case when you go to Rivendell. No. It's just like it's an ex- a place of extraordinary serenity. Yeah. Serenity, yeah. that's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. You just get that inner calm and just mm-hmm. that peace that knows no bounds. 
Yeah. It's a very um, attractive idea for sure. Right. And Sam, were you going to say something? Especially in this crazy world that we live in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sam really likes it. He says, uh, Sam shows up. uh, He says, I can take you to them, sir. It's a big house, this, and very peculiar. Always a bit more to discover and no knowing what you'll find around a corner. And elves, sir. Elves here and elves there. Some like kings, terrible and splendid, and some as merry as children. And the music and the singing, not that I've had the time or the heart for much listening since we got here, but I'm getting to know some of the ways of the place. Um, so Sam is just like a little kid in this place mm-hmm. and, you know, part, store. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely, but he's also a little bit intimidated by it all. It sounds yeah. like too, you know, yeah. um, so, um, and then, you know, Mary and Pippin show up of course as well. Uh, Pip, Pip, Pippin wants to make a big deal about Proto being the Lord of the ring and Gandalf's like, shut up, you know, yes. like you don't know what you're saying. There's only one Lord of the Ring, and we don't want to talk about him here. Right. He's evil. Yeah. You may think that they can't possibly hear us here, but just be careful, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. But Pippin doesn't care. Yeah. He doesn't care. It's like Gandalf has been saying many cheerful things like this. Right. That's funny. <laughs> he thinks I need keeping in order. Yeah. But it seems impossible somehow to feel gloomy or depressed in this place. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And again, I like the little, I feel like singing myself. Though at the moment, I feel more like eating and drinking. That will soon be cured, said Pippin. You have shown your usual cunning in getting up just in time for a meal. Mm. Yeah. Just like a good hobbit should. That's right. Yep, yep. So it's off to the feast. Off to the feast there. Yes. Uh, it's been prepared for them. Um, and they kind of go around and, and describe. We see 
Gandalf, and I like what they say about Gandalf. It's interesting, Gandalf is not taller than the, than the elves. I know, I was thinking that too. Yeah. He seems so tall in the movie. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he's tall. I don't think, I think the elves are taller than him in the movie. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I think he's taller than Yeah, him. I thought they were too, but. Yeah, maybe not. Which, I mean, Tolkien really needs to get his story straight. You know, oh, yeah, I mean, right? you know, if he's going to write a book about a movie, he needs to. Right. He needs <laughs> to get the details right, you know. Gosh. Ah, <laughs> jeez. Uh, no, um, that was just an interesting little one, but yes, it's interesting how a, a change seems to come over Gandalf as he's to, as when he's in this company. Um, mm-hmm. It says uh, even Gandalf, whom he thought he knew so well, uh, was revealed as a lord of dignity and power, right? Yeah. In this company, we see Glorfindel, uh, we see Elrond, we see Arwen. Mm-hmm. We're first introduced to Arwen. Yes. Um, the even star, uh, who it says had, um, you know, was really bore the likeness of Luthien, uh, as if Luthien had come on earth again. And of course she is descendant from Luthien. Right. Um, so that makes some sense. Actually, she would simply be the great granddaughter of Luthien, I think. Cause yeah, Luthien and then Baron of Luthien, Dior, um, Let's see, Elwing, and yeah, and then Elrond. So, Dior would be the son. Uh, Elwing would be granddaughter. Um, Elrond would be great grandson. So it'd be great great grand. Great great granddaughter. Yeah. Yeah. Great great granddaughter -granddaughter of uh, Luthien. Um, Even though thousands of years have passed at this point Mm -hmm. since Luthien walked uh, Middle Earth. Right. Um. And uh, she's described uh, very beautifully. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she had long been in the land of her mother's kin in Lorien, beyond the mountains, and was but lately returned to Rivendell to her father's house. Uh, but her brothers, Eladon and Elrohir, were out upon errantry, for they rode often far afield with the rangers of the north, forgetting never their mother's torment in the dens of the orcs. Okay, do we know who their mother is? Um, I don't know her name off the top of my head, but... Um, and, Do you know anything about her story? No. Okay. I mean, not from not from the Lord of the Rings, other than that she was apparently died at the... Hands of the Orcs. Yeah, the Hands of the Orcs. Right, okay. I'm sure it's written about somewhere, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's in the okay. Lord of the Rings anywhere. Okay. Um, so yeah, we see Arwen. She'll show up again in a little bit. Um, but most of this section is concerned with a, a conversation between um, Gloin... Uh, one of the dwarves from right. uh, one yes. of, you know, from the Hobbit, right? And uh, Frodo. Uh, so Gloin kind of catches Frodo up on because Frodo knows all the stories. He's heard of Gloin. He, he's heard of all the other dwarves. Um, so Frodo catches, gets caught up on the whereabouts of all Bilbo's old dwarf buddies, right? Dwarf companions. And here's what the dwarves have been up to. And... Yeah, as well as Bjorn and Bard. Uh, Bayorn, of course, was the the sh- the, mm-hmm. the shapeshifter. Oh, right, um, right, right. And um, and who now rules a, a, a an area, um, and then you have Bard the Bowman, who was the one that brought down Smog and Smaug, and his um, grandson is now ruling Dale, which is the city that was reclaimed, um, at the at the foot of the Lonely Mountain, and then oh, okay, and then you have Dine. 
who is the um, was the cousin of Thorin, who when Thorin died ended up taking over as king under the mountain. Okay. And so the bunch of the dwarves were still with him. Uh, Dwalin, Gloin, Dory, Nori, Bifur, Bofur, and Bomber. Right. Yes. And Bomber's apparently packed on a few extra pounds. A few. Had a, ate a few too many bonbons. Just a few. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, so fat that it took six young dwarves to lift him. Mm-hmm. And he can't move himself from his couch to his chair. To yeah. Go. Poor Bomber. Schneigers. Yeah. Mm. Um, sounds like he needs to go on another adventure. Yeah, he needs some, some hiking. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but he asked about Balin and Ori and Oin. Frodo does. And Gloin says, we don't know. Um, they've, he's actually come looking for them. Um, because, that's why he's in Rivendell? Right, that's actually why he's in uh, Rivendell. So we'll learn a little bit more about them later. Okay. Um, uh, and at this point, Frodo says, you know, I really would just like to see uh, Bilbo. I'd like to see Bilbo. Yeah. yeah. But he has no idea that he will, right? Uh, he doesn't yet. He says, I would rather see him than all the towers and palaces in the world. Yeah. So Great longing, for sure. Yeah. It's been a while, remember? I think it's been over, what, 17 years? Something like that? Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's been a while since he's yeah. seen him. That's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. All right, let's pause there and take a quick commercial break, and we'll come right back and talk about the rest of the chapter. Sounds like a plan. Don't go away. Stay tuned. Do you know the tale that Tolkien called the Colonel of the Middle-Earth mythology? Baron and Luthien is the story of an outlaw mortal and an elvish princess tasked with obtaining a Silmaril, one of the holy jewels of the Blessed Realm, from the Iron Crown of the Dark Lord Morgoth. In my new book, Tolkien's Requiem, I explore the legend of these doomed lovers. In doing so, I aim to provide a backdoor into the world of the Silmarillion for those who have struggled to give it a go. One of Tolkien's greatest achievements, the story of Baron and Luthien, deserves to be as well-known as The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Get your copy of Tolkien's Requiem today by visiting truemyths.org slash baron. That's truemyths.org slash b-e-r-e-n. Happy reading! All right, we're back. So... Um, after the feast, Frodo uh, goes with Gandalf to the Hall of Fire, which is where a, a place in Rivendell, which is, they always have a fire going. So is it not part of Elrond's house? Well, I mean, I think the whole thing is Elrond's house, right? Oh, okay, but it's like a separate hall, kind of. Right. Oh, okay. Um, and it says, as Elrond entered and went towards the seat prepared for him, Elvish minstrels began to make sweet music. Um... Slowly the hall filled, and Frodo looked with delight upon the many fair faces that were gathered together. The golden firelight played upon them and shimmered in their air in their hair. Um, suddenly he noticed, not far from the further end of the fire, a small dark figure seated on a stool with his back propped against a pillar. Beside him on the ground was a drinking cup and some bread. Frodo wondered whether he was ill, if people were ever ill in Rivendell, and had been unable to come to the feast. His head seemed sunk in sleep on his breast, and a fold of his dark cloak was drawn over his face. Uh, Elrond goes and tells him to gently, gently kind of wakes this uh, person up, and uh, we realize it's Bilbo. Bilbo! Bilbo. Um, Bilbo's, Bilbo's happy to see Frodo. Um, 
and they have a little bit of conversation, catch up, um, catch up on all sorts of matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually they get around to talking about the ring, the status right. of the ring. Right. Um, so over on 225, uh, uh, Bilbo is recounting. Uh, Bilbo is recounting what Gandalf has told him about the ring, you know, that, that the ring is this dangerous thing and, um, that it's good that he doesn't have it anymore. Um, uh, and, and Bilbo finally says to Frodo, have you got it here? I can't help feeling curious, you know, after all I've heard, I should very much like just to peep at it again. Frodo says, yes, I've got it. It looks just the same as it ever did. Bilbo says he'd like to see it for a moment. Um, uh, Frodo is, when he hears, uh, Bilbo say this, um, Bilbo, uh, he, he, he brings it out, shows it to Bilbo. Bilbo puts out his hand and Frodo quickly draws back the ring. Um, and then it says here to his distress and amazement, he found that he was no longer looking at Bilbo. A shadow seemed to have fallen between them and through it, he found himself eyeing a little wrinkled creature with a hungry face and bony groping hands. He felt a desire to strike him. Sounds like Gollum. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So is that just kind of maybe a vision of what Bilbo would become if he was to let him have the ring back? It might be. You know, I think it's a, you know, because Bilbo had the ring for a long time, right? Right, right. So it's a little bit maybe of that coming out of him. Um, then now he, because he sees somebody else possessing this thing. Uh-huh. Right? And it's really interesting that Frodo felt, feels this desire to strike him. Right. Because that means that the ring is already working upon him as well. Mm. Right. Right. To kind of keep him away, like out of jealousy. Right. That means, yeah. yeah. To keep him from getting it. Well, I was really surprised by how, you know, Bilbo got it real quickly too. Mm-hmm. So do you think Bilbo had the same image? Because I mean, Bilbo's like all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, well, I understand now," but it doesn't say anything about about what Bilbo might have seen. Do you know what I'm saying? So why do you think Bilbo got the message? Um, what do you mean? Where? So, okay, so right after it says he felt a desire to strike him. Then it says the music and singing around them seemed to falter and a silence fell. Bilbo looked quickly at Frodo's face and passed his hand across his eyes. I understand now, he said. Put it away. I am sorry. Sorry you have come in for this burden. Sorry about everything. Don't adventures ever have an end? I suppose not. So anyway, I'm just saying, like... Bilbo seems to understand pretty quickly that this is a very dangerous mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Right? So I'm wondering, did he have a similar vision of Frodo that Frodo oh. had of Bilbo? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You think that's what happened? Well, he might He might just have seen the um, the desire to strike him in his eyes and realized oh, you okay. know, what they were coming to. I, see. It's, I mean, he may, maybe Frodo was, you know, excited kind of... Transfigured in a way, you know, briefly yeah, okay. in his eyes. Okay. Um, and we don't, you know, we don't know that this is actually. We don't know that this is actually something that happens to Bilbo. It could all be in Frodo's head that he sees this, right? Um, he found that he was no longer looking at Bilbo. A shadow seemed to have fallen between them, and through it, he found himself eyeing a little wrinkled creature with a hungry face and bony, groping hands. So this could be. Um, just all in, and this could be the ring just playing tricks on Frodo, right? Oh, right. Okay. Um, uh, 
who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Either way, though, it's Either causing way. problems. Yeah, no, it seems that that he yeah he obviously saw something in Frodo mm-hmm. that frightened him. Yeah. Enough to say, forget it. Right. This is no good. Let's you know go back to the party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like well, maybe saying I like it is wrong, but uh, you know the the kind of um, Bilbo's attitude here is interesting. He says, "I'm sorry, sorry you have come in for this burden. Sorry about everything. Don't adventures ever have an end?" You know, I, mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing to say. Um, you know, yeah. that, that's just something that somebody's very tired would say. You know, yes, um, Will because. Never end? Yeah, but, you know, you think about it like Frodo, like that was how we found Frodo when we first met him early on. And he, and even Bilbo, right? When he left Hobbit, when he left the Shire 17 years ago, was, was looking forward to getting back out on the road and having adventures mm-hmm. and everything. Yes. And Frodo, it talks about, used to love, you know, used to dream of adventures and leaving and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff and going on adventures with Frodo and, and or with Bilbo. Right. And now Bilbo is like lamenting, don't adventures ever have an end? Right. Right? He's like you know, on the other extreme. Yeah. Right? Well, and you think about it like this, you know, and, you know, thinking of a fitting ending, you know, for your story, like when they lived happily ever after. And it's like, well, why can't that be the ending to that? You know, because the Hobbit kind of ended on this. Not, it wasn't like they lived happily ever after, but it was that idea, you know, just like, that's the end of this story. Mm-hmm. And now we see this um, just exhaustion. It's like, don't these stories ever end? Mm-hmm. You know? Can't I just rest? Yeah. Can't can't we just be done with this already? Why does this? Why does the ring have to come back up right. like this? You know? Yeah. So you think Bilbo wasn't expecting this? No, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, I think the ring totally just almost caught him off guard. You know? Because yeah. before, Bilbo had never... Bilbo had never um, had this extreme reaction. Like, I don't know. Well, it's weird because, again, I think in the movie, they make Bill like, if you remember, there's this really, they did, they, they do it well in the movie, but it's, they, they definitely put it, put it out that, like, Bilbo, like, is grasps for the ring. It becomes, like, this hideous monster for a brief moment, like, grasps the ring. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily what happens here. Um Frodo, all it says is that Frodo perceived him to be this little wrinkled creature with a hungry face and bony groping hands. Um, all Bilbo does is reach out. He puts out his hand, right? Yes. That's all he does. So um, I don't know that Bilbo even um, is like 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 reached for it or anything like that. Like I don't know that he actually like, tried to grab it from him. All he did was like all we know is that he put out his hand. Um, so, and he, and he talks about that Frodo has come in for this burden, right? Yeah. What does he mean by come in for this burden? What does that mean? That he now be sorry that the ring is his? Right. Yeah. Okay. He has to deal with it now. I, I think it's almost like when it's really interesting now that I read this closely, like, cause I think that the way they portray it in the movie is not actually how Tolkien sees, how Tolkien meant it to be. It's almost like, um, it's almost like. Bilbo, Bil- all Bilbo wanted to, like, all Bilbo was doing was putting out his hand to, to like, touch the ring, 
and Frodo because he's wearing because he's now the ring bearer mm-hmm. has this reaction like you know to see to see Bilbo is this like evil creature that's trying to take the uh, right, ring from him. Right, right, right. So and he wants to is, strike him. Yes. You know, he wants to strike him for doing that. And Bilbo mm-hmm. sees that in his eyes, pulls his hand away, and and says, "I'm so sorry you've come." And you know, he realizes the burden he's now carrying, probably because Bilbo felt a similar thing at different times. Mm, okay. You know, you yeah. can kind of see it in his eyes. Maybe the way the movie's portraying it is how maybe Frodo's seeing him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Don't be so easy on the movie makers. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean you're right. You can you could read it. You could you could read it either way, but um but all I'm saying is that it's not as explicit as maybe the movie is that Bilbo like it, you know, all all it says that Bilbo does here is put out his hand. Now that could be he could be grasping aggressively for it, but Right, right, right. That it doesn't say he's doing that. Yeah. So I mean he like hisses in the movie, like you know, he like hisses and grabs for it and then like pulls yes, back. Yes, yes, that's We realize what he's doing. Right. And Frodo, Frodo looks like completely innocent the whole time in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Frodo's not, you, you see nothing in Frodo that's his desire to strike him, right? Now remind me, mm-hmm. this has been a while since I read The Hobbit, but Bilbo leaves the ring to Frodo, right? Yes. So does he just not, does Bilbo just not understand like, the implication, like, does he not understand kind of the significance of the ring at all? He all he knew was it was an invisibility ring. Okay. Right, that it made him that it made okay. him invisible. Okay. Um, so no, he, you know, if you remember back in chapter two of book one, um, they talk a lot about that, and they kind of slowly discover that what the ring really is. Mm. Right, they didn't know what it was in the Hobbit. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So. Okay, got it. Um, okay, well, moving on. Um, uh, so, Bilbo, um, Bilbo, and Frodo talk talk some more about Strider, um, and Bilbo refers to him as the Dunedain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, basically a man of the West, a Numenorean. Which again, we have to really read a Calabath for you to know what that means. But okay. Um, it's basically just another, you know, another word for the Adai and the Elf friends, right? Got it. Um, and um, so they talk a bit about them, and then we get this. Um, Bilbo kind of goes off to do some singing, um, or to hear. I think he says, 
Elrond says, this song of mine is to be finished before the end of the evening, and I am stuck. Let's go off into a corner and polish it up. Strider smiled. Come then, he said. Let's, let me hear it. So Frodo, all, as they do this, um, Frodo kind of sits back and is just relaxing. He was alone and felt rather forlorn, although all about him the folk of Rivendell were gathered. But those near him were silent, intent upon the music of the voices and the instruments, and they gave no heed to anything else. Frodo began to listen. At first the beauty of the melodies and of the interwoven words and elven tongues, even though he understood them little, held him in a spell as soon as he began to attend to them. Almost it seemed that the words took shape and visions of far lands and bright things that he had never yet imagined opened out before him, and the firelit halls became like a golden mist above seas of foam that sighed upon the margins of the world. Then the enchantment became more and more dreamlike until he felt that an endless river of swelling gold and silver was flowing over him, too multitudinous, too multitudinous for its pattern to be comprehended. It became part of the throbbing air about him, and it drenched and drowned him. Swiftly he sank under its shining weight into a deep realm of sleep. Now, key word there is enchantment, right? Mm. Because that's one of the things that Tolkien talked about in fairy stories, yes, right? That's right? Power of good fantasy storytelling, yes. right? Yes. It should be enchanting. Yes. Um, Transport you. Exactly, right? It should be it should be so real. Um and so uh, anyway, that's a beautiful passage. That's part of what I wanted to, you know, to draw out in my uh, my haiku that I wrote. Um, but what Frodo hears in the midst of all of this is this Arendelle poem, mm-hmm. um, which lucky you, since you've read the Silmarillion, you know all about Arendelle. Yeah, so this I is not just understood. a bunch of gibberish to you. Yes, yeah. Yes. Um, so I thought we'd read this. The whole do that. thing. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, why I'm not? I'm not going to promise that I'm not going to mispronounce some words. Okay, well, we'll just go, uh, how about four lines at a time? Four? We'll switch off four lines at a time, yeah. Okay. Um, I'll start. Okay. All right? Yep. Arundel was a mariner that tarried in Arvernian. He built a boat of timber felled and Nimberthel to journey in. Her sails he wove of silver fair. Of silver were her lanterns made. Her prow was fashioned like a swan and light upon her banners laid. In panoply of ancient kings, in chained rings he armored him. His shining shield was scored with runes, to ward all wounds and harm from him. His bow was made of dragon horn, his arrows shorn of ebony. Of silver was his habergian, his scabbard of chalcedony. His sword of steel was valiant, of adamant his helmet tall. An eagle plume upon his crest, upon his breast an emerald. Beneath the moon and the under star, he wandered far from northern strands, bewildered on enchanted ways beyond the days of mortal lands. From gnashing of the narrow ice, where shadow lies on frozen hills, from nether heats and burning waste, he turned in haste and roving still. On starless waters far astray, at last he came to night of naught, and past a never sight he saw, of shining shore nor light he sought. The winds of wrath came driving him, and blindly in the foam he fled from west to east and errandless, unheralded he homeward sped. Their flying Elwyn came to him, and flame was in the darkness lit, more bright than light of diamond, the fire upon her carcanet. The Silmaril she bound on him, and crowned him with the living light, and dauntless then with burning brow he turned his prow, and in the night... 
From other world beyond the sea, there strong and free a storm arose, a wind of power in Tarmanel, by paths that seldom mortal goes. His boat it bore with biting breath, as might of death across the gray, and long forsaken seas distressed, from east to west he passed away. Through ever night he back was borne, on black and roaring waves that ran, or leagues unlit and foundered shores that drowned before the days began. Until he heard on strands of pearl, where ends the world the music long, wherever foaming billows roll, the yellow gold and jewels wan. He saw the mountain silent rise, where twilight lies upon the knees, of Valinor and Eldamar beheld afar beyond the seas. A wanderer escaped from night, to haven white he came at last, to elven home the green and fair, where keen the air, where pale as glass. Beneath the hill of Ilmarin, a glimmer in a valley sheer, the lamplit towers of Tyrion are mirrored on the shadow mere. He tarried there from errantry, and melodies they taught to him, and sages old him marvels told, and harps of gold they brought to him. They clothed him in elven white, and seven lights before him sent, as through the Calcarian to hidden land forlorn he went. He came unto the timeless halls, where shining fall the countless years, and endless reigns the elder king in Ilmarin on mountain sheer. And words unheard were spoken then, of folk of men and elven kin, beyond the world where visions showed, forbid to those that dwell therein. A ship then knew they built for him, of mithril and of elven glass, with shining prow, no shaven oar, nor sail she bore on silver mast. The Silmaril, as lantern light and banner bright with living flame, to gleam thereon by Albereth, herself was set, who thither came. And wings immortal made for him, and laid on him undying doom, to sail the shoreless skies and come beyond the sun and light of moon. From ever even's lofty hills, where softly silver fountains fall, his wings him bore a wandering light beyond the mighty mountain wall. From world's end then he turned away, and yearned again to find afar, his home through shadows journeying, and burning as an island star. On high above the mists he came, a distant flame before the sun, a wonder ere the waking dawn, where gray the norland waters run. And over Middle-earth he passed, and heard at last the weeping sore of women and of elven maids and elder days and years of yore. But on him mighty doom was laid, till moon should fade and orbid star, to pass and tarry nevermore on hither shores where mortals are. Forever still a herald on, an errand that should never rest, to bear his shining lamp afar, the flamifer of Westerness. Good job, you did it. Yay. Phew. All right. So, yeah, pretty great poem. It's really, really pretty. It's kind of cool that they're, you know, they're here in this house that's Elrond's house, and Elrond's the descendant of the two, you yes. know, it's the son of the two people right. that this yes. song is about, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Remind me who Elbereth is. Elbereth? Mm-hmm. Varda. Ah, Varda. Right? That's right. Yes. Okay. Spouse of Manwe. Got it. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Elbereth, um, well, so Bilbo jokes about discerning which parts are his and which parts right. are, are um, Strider's. Right. But it turns out that most of it is is Bilbo's. Right. The only thing that that uh, Strider insisted on putting in there was something about Greenstone. Right. I guess that's the emerald, mm-hmm. right, that they mentioned being upon um, 
Arendelle's breast. Yeah. Um, so, um, so last, you know, pretty much last in this chapter, we have um, this little, this short hymn to Elbereth um, that's being sung in Rivendell. Um, and I'm going to give this a stab. This is in Sindarin. Ooh, okay. Let me give this a stab. Do it. Uh, Elbereth Gilthoniel. Saliverin Penamir. Let me try it again. Uh, Elbereth Gilthoniel. Saliverin Penamiriel. Omenel Aglar Elenath. Nachariad Palandiriel. Ogalad Thrimen Enorath. Fanwilos le lenathan, nef ayar si nef aron. Good job. Yeah, we got to get somebody who knows uh, Sindarin on here. Yeah, soon. we, we got to get uh, the guy I was talking about. We'll get him on here soon. Yeah, we need to. Yeah. Yeah. So you can, we'll have him actually say that for us. So. Do we know what it means? Yes, I actually looked it up. So here's what all that means. All right. Okay. Um, Gethoniel means star kindler, by the way. Okay. So. Here's how it. Here's the translation of it into English. O Elbreth, star kindler, white glittering, slanting down, slanting down, sparkling like a jewel, the glory of the starry host. Having gazed far away from the tree-woven lands of Middle Earth, to thee, ever white, I will sing, on this side of the sea, here on this side of the ocean. Mm. Yeah. Very nice. You know, I, I gotta say, it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, how at the end when we do, um, when we do night prayer, mm-hmm. um, which for those for those who don't know, um, uh, in the Catholic Church and and in other churches that have kind of a more um, ancient flavor to them, there's the divine, there's the divine office or the liturgy of the hours, and at night you pray night prayer, um, and at the end of night prayer, you you usually say some kind of Marian, mm-hmm. um, you know, like a short Marian prayer or like a short Marian hymn. Mm-hmm. Like there's one that's Mary, Star of the Sea. Um, uh, you know, then you, you might just say the Hail Mary or something like that. But this kind of, this scene right here kind of reminds me of that, like that they're saying like night prayer in Rivendell. Yeah, I was you know? thinking the same thing. It struck me as very Marian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, we, we see it is a song to Elbereth. They will sing that and other songs of the Blessed Realm many times tonight. Come on. Um, so, anyway, just wanted to point that out. I think that's a little bit of, uh, you know, Tolkien's, um, the, the, the great influence of Catholicism on Tolkien shining okay. through right there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Stuff. And uh, the chapter ends with, um. Uh, time to go to bed. Sam, yeah. Bilbo, Frodo. Time to go to bed. Uh, big day coming up tomorrow. Today was a day of relaxing. Tomorrow we got to talk business. So, is right. even though Rivendell is this awesome relaxing place, uh, they do have business that they got to conduct right. there, and they right. got a big business they need to talk about. Yes, the Council yeah. of Elrond. Yeah. Will soon be upon us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, any other thoughts? Any other things we skipped? Things we skipped over that you wanted I to talk about? I think you did a pretty good job. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, there's not there's this in the most action packed chapter, but there's some good stuff in it. There's some really good stuff in it. Yeah. Um, and things are definitely gonna. There's a lot to talk about. Council of Elrond is one of my favorite chapters. Um, it's still there's not a lot of action in it, but there's so much background that's given. Yeah. You know, this is one of those chapters where Tolkien really creates that sense of um, uh, secondary reality. You know, mm-hmm. that he so strives for in his work. Yeah. Because he gives this like history, this vast history of so much stuff. So, uh, yeah, come back, tune in next time. Uh, so, not planning on skipping a week this time, uh, not for a while again. So, tune in, and uh, we do have a bonus episode coming up. We just got to record it. Uh, I won't tell you what it is just yet, but um, we'll record that here soon. And um, yeah, uh, looking forward to the Council of Elrond and to the rest of uh, Book Two. Yeah, me and, too. Uh, getting you know. Also doing a Calabath soon, and we are going to do. Um, I got to get off my lazy rear and schedule some interviews because yeah, we're planning on doing those as you've well. You've been saying that. You've been talking about that for like. I know, I know, I know. I wanted to finish up the Silmarillion, and mm-hmm. then I wanted to get started on Lord of the Rings again. So That's your excuse. now that we're there, yeah, I know. I'm just full of excuses. Yeah, full of excuses. My All excuse right. is cooler, by the way. What was your excuse? Berlin Wall. The Berlin Wall. Mm-hmm. The Berlin Wall keeps you from doing yeah. everything. Soviet. Soviet oppression. Yeah, Soviet oppression. Mm-hmm. That is so 1989. <laughs> Just gotta say. Yeah. So I like to live in the 80s, so what? Yeah, well. It was the best music ever written. Well, you know, tell me about it. Like, what, what makes you say that so much? Like, what music are you referring to, Greta? Oh, I'm like referring to, uh, you know, like, um, yeah. Wake me up before you. Or are you referring to. The winds of change. No. Not what I was referring to. Do you want to be taken to the magic of the moment? Maybe. Do you? This is a song about the fall of the Berlin Wall. Scorpions. Yeah. This is like the the Scorpions were like the great like uh, hair metal band, German hair metal band. You don't remember this I song? I have no idea the song is about the fall of the Berlin You've heard, Wall. You remember this song, though. I've heard the song. I didn't know what yeah. it was about, though. Well, it's it's kind of about that whole, like, era of where, like, the, um, you know, all the Soviet bloc nations were, the governments were falling and democracy was coming. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to go back and listen to that song. If well, we got to get to, it's taking too long to get to the hook, so let's just speed it up. I mean... That's like five elves right there, you know? Scorpions are basically five elves. <laughs> they're, they're, I think, I think they're actually crossed, crossed between... I think they're, they're crossed between elves and elves dwarves. Elves and dwarves. Like there you say, go. They remind me more of dwarves, but they're a little too tall to be dwarves. Yeah. Yeah. To the magic of the moment. Hmm. Stuff. It's about. I don't think I've ever heard the song now that you're playing it. Honestly, <laughs> I pretend like children... I heard it, but I'm like, I don't think I've heard it. We're the children of tomorrow, right? I mean, this is totally like an Elvis song, right? Like, because children of tomorrow, <laughs> there's the, the men, you know, men. I think you're reaching. Yeah, well. I think you're really reaching. Kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know what made there me think of that. It was you. Te- it was you bringing up. The Berlin Wall that made me think of that song. Oh, right, you know, I mentioned how great the music was in the 1980s. Yeah, so. and you were you wanted to say, 
take me up. What is that? Wake me up before you go go. What's that? Who's who sings that? Uh, that's Wham. Wham. That's right. Yeah. George then, Michael's um, band before he became yeah, just George Michael. Song. That's pretty awesome. Culture Club. Yeah, Madonna. I mean, there's so much. There's so much. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, don't get me started. No. I you already, talk forever you already about did. how much I love '80s music. <laughs> Alrighty. All right, we should let our our poor listeners just, you know, go about their lives. Get lost. Get lost. Yeah. No, just, you know, go be productive. That's what you were going to say. I was going to put that in your mouth, and I was going to be like, Greta, don't be mean like that. Oh, is that what you were going to We don't want our listeners to get lost. We love them. No, I just meant that they could, you know, like, go on with their life. They know what you meant. Okay. (laughs) Go on. Just go on with your lives. Come on. Stop sitting on your bones and listening to us ramble on about the Berlin Wall and how a German metal band looks like No, elves. listen to us ramble on. We want you to listen to us ramble on. We thank you. Okay. For well, so maybe for a few on. minutes, but we just don't want to don't want to take it too far. All right. Well, I tried to end it a little them. while ago and then you guys start talking about the Berlin Wall. I was just... And one thing led to another. Okay. So maybe I'm proud of my German heritage. So shoot me. That's what they would do at the Berlin Wall. That's exactly what they would do if you tried to escape. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Before this gets any weirder, we should probably just sign off. All right. Goodbye. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. Bye, y'all. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 